Hello, and thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene, where we exist to help people take their next step in a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope that as you listen, you are both encouraged and challenged as you take that next step in your walk with Christ. Good morning, church. Hi again. Uh, just we. Uh, it's good to be back. Family and I. We were away last weekend. My sister-in-law got married down in Bloomington, so we celebrated her and and had a nice week away. Our kids enjoyed. Uh, playing, we kind of embraced the whole week and made it a, a family trip kind of thing and, and vacation. So uh, it was a nice time, but certainly uh, we missed we missed our church family, uh, you know. And, and as I come back, I can tell you know we are quickly transitioning into summer. It's like as soon as Mother's Day hits, it is time and rhythms change, right? And and it's that's how it works in your own life, right? It's like gra- after graduation, Memorial Day launches right into just just a, a disruption of our rhythms. And I'm a guy who enjoys um, rhythms. I, we get to fall season, and that's like, I'm just ready to be back in a groove. Because as fun as summer is, it's just, it's just, it's chaotic, right? It's chaotic, and it's good. You got vacations, and we've got things going on, and, but it is just a lot. And um, what's cool is that that's how ministries seem to ebb and flow here at the church, because we are made up of people who have rhythms, and church season has a rhythm of its own. And, and you know, as we shift gears into the summer, what's cool about it is we're going to be growing our staff by like three at the beginning of this summer. So you got to hear from Bailey. Uh, next week, he'll be, he'll be joining us as a summer intern. We'll la- he'll start ju- uh, May 30th, and, and uh, he'll see it through, uh, through the fair week. Um, just to give you an idea for when he'll be around, he'll be involved with a ton of stuff. Uh, I love Bailey. He is so passionate. He's so energized. I'm excited. If you don't already know him, I'm excited for you to get to know him. Uh, he's already been a part of our staff meetings a little bit. And um, has just one of the things that's cool is when, when you work through a summer intern, um, you know, it takes time to build relationships to even start to, to learn and to understand how something works. The dude grew up in the church. So, so he, he can hit the ground running and we're excited about that and we want to equip him uh, to do that and to, to work with our N2 students and um, cultivate a leadership team out of that with our student ministry as well as our college students and discipleship and so many, so many other things. So you'll be seeing a lot more of him in the days to come as well as uh, Dave and Brittany Dooley. June 4th is when they come, okay? No one's leaving. They're coming, this is a good thing. This is awesome because there are so many things as I've, uh, as, as so, many, so many needs in the life of the church and so many areas for them to just jump into and to, um, to, to breathe life into and to, to disciple and to, to cultivate spiritual growth and to equip. And that's what they're coming here to do. And so you'll see them around in a, a number of capacities. Um, I was looking at the schedule though last, they'll be up here for, um, probably to, to, to lead times of prayer. Uh, Dave probably won't start preaching until sometime in, in July. We'll let him assimilate a little bit into the church. And uh, Dave's a worship leader too. So you'll see him leading worship from time to time, uh, playing on the worship team. Uh, it's just really cool when we're willing to allow God to use us in the way that he's wired us. And, and so the three of them, I am so excited for you to, to spend time with them. Here's what I, here's what I want, two things. 
that I'm asking of you. One, that you'd be praying over them, especially the dualies, their transition. It's difficult. Saying goodbye is hard sometimes, right? So to leave a context of 15 years that you've poured your heart and soul into and those relationships, we've walked through that as a church, right? You know how that feels. So pray for them. Number two, let them know that you prayed for them. We've included their emails, Bailey, Dave, and Brittany in your bulletin this week. If you find yourself praying for them, praying over them, their situation, praying for Nora, their daughter, their four-year-old, let them know. Introduce yourself to them. Don't, don't wait for them to introduce themselves to you, right? This is a family. This is a house. This is your house. Welcome them in with open arms. I just pray that, that we would be a people who are inviting and welcoming. And so those are the two things. Anyways, we've got a lot to go over this week. Uh, we're, we find ourselves in the midst of this, this series called Found Family. And I love this, this imagery, this idea. Uh, scripture talks so much about it and us being the body and the family of God and brothers and sisters in Christ. And the key to a healthy family is, is, is being unified. This found family that we, that we speak of is so much more than biological, right? That's what, that's what Justin shared about last week is it runs so much deeper than blood, this, this spiritual thing that, that, that connects us, this spiritual family we unify around Christ, that he is the head of the body, this family. 1 Corinthians 8, 6, this is a, a, a verse that our LifeWise students uh, know, that there is one God, the Father, all things are from him, and we exist for him. And there is one Lord, Jesus Christ. All things are through him and we exist through him. That means our identity is through him. Our, our purpose is through him. We, this is why we are teaching this, this, this verse because it teaches theology, right? Of, of, of how to, it teaches identity and who, who we are. And, and so, um, so it's important to know that. And this found family of God is unified through Christ, in him, through him, it's within this that we find the diversity within the body, right? That, we, that each of us in our own gifts and, and abilities, we, we allow the, the kingdom of God to manifest. That those that, uh, that have the, the gift of, of intercession and, and, oh man, Roy and Cindy Tilly, I love what they do in between services uh, with our prayer room in Justin's office where they just, where they just pray and, and our musicians and, and how it manifests themselves and our teachers and so many things. Uh, those who, who uh, make sure that we have uh, buildings that, that where the lights work and the roof doesn't leak, right? Everyone has different gifts, abilities, and talents, and we all pool those together unified in Christ. And that's what it's about. It's like a, a football team or a baseball team, right? Our, the common goal is to win the game, but we each have our unique um, goal, right? The tight end has his role. The, the quarterback has his role. And, and all of them are relying on each other. And the coach has his role. And the, um, but all for the common goal. And for us as the body of Christ, we each have our different roles, okay? So don't think that your role is to come in here for an hour and then leave and have nothing more to do with the church. That's not your role. I'll tell you that right now. There's no role in the kingdom of God where that exists, okay? Because we exist for each other, for Christ, through Christ we exist, right? And so, so we have this role that we play and what is, 
What is the objective? What are we all working towards? To make Christ known, right? The evangelism, the discipleship. To go, to evangelize, and to disciple them. This is, this is the mandate for all of us, okay? And so this is the priesthood of all believers, and this is what it looks like to live in this family, okay? We, we talk about may, maybe membership. I like, better, I like the word ownership. I've been thinking about changing our membership class to be ownership class, because that's what it is, that when you come into this house, that you're, a, you're an owner here. You, you care for it the way that you care for your own stuff, right? This is, this is what the family of God is doing, and we're unified around that. And so today I want to talk about something that as brothers and sisters of Christ, if it's the Holy Spirit that speaks to us and guides us, which we know, which we sing about, which we talk about, how is it that we stay tethered to the heart and the mission of, a, of our family, of the found family? How is it that we stay unified? It's through prayer. Prayer is the communing element that connects us to the Father. It's simple. God speaks, we listen. We speak, God listens. It's this, it's this holy conversation that happens. It's relational, right? And the, long, the more we talk and pray, the more unified we are in the mission because our thoughts are aligned, right? Our prayers are aligned. Our focus is aligned. The family of God ought to be rooted in prayer. We pray for one another. We pray over each other. We pray with each other. Prayer is what keeps us connected. It keeps us calibrated to the heart of the Father and to our purpose. When we do that, it unifies our faith, right? We come together, we pray, it unifies our faith and it amplifies our focus. We're all in one direction, working towards the same goal, to make Christ known, and we do that in different ways, but we're unified in that. This was, the, this was the case with the early church. When believers came together in agreement, their collective faith is strengthened, increasing the expectation for answered prayers. Agreement before God allow, aligns our hearts and minds and petitions and keeps us focused on him, on a common purpose before God, this mission. Aligning our heart, it demonstrates unity. It provides a powerful witness to a world that is broken, that's lost. It turns into our testimony. And it draws others to Christ. They see the power that happens all because we pray, all because we're tethered to the vine. Right? And so this morning, because it's so essential in the family of God, I want to spend some time on prayer. The essence of, in essence, knowing God more fully, getting to know him. Prayer, if this is a holy conversation... Think about someone you've gotten to know, your child, your, your parent, your spouse. It's not just transactional, informational, driven. You get to know them. You get to know their heart, what moves them, where their passions are. That's what prayer is. When we spend time with God, we get to know his heart. We focus on the things that matter. We open his word and we see the heart of God for his people. This is what it looks like. As your pastor, my number one mandate in this job, my, in my job description, is to pray. Did you know that? If there are any regrets in my ministry this far, it's maybe that I haven't prayed even more. I haven't immersed myself more in the scriptures because we can never spend too much time 
with God. Prayer, we don't pray for a better life or pray anything. Prayer is the better life. It is the good life. Because we see why we we were created and we understand who we are in context, in the light of our creator. And the reality is prayer is the most natural thing that anyone can do. We were created to pray. We were created to respond. Okay, think about this. And maybe you disagree with me, but give me a chance. Okay, what happens when uh, you're, what happens if you're in the car and all of a sudden something about happened? What do you, you, naturally you just automatically yell out and cry out for help. Or, or when something bad is happening in your life, the desire is to, to call upon something greater. Every tribe in the history has, has worshipped something, right? Prayer is the thing that we do towards the thing that we worship. We just happen to know who it is. God created us to pray. It's the most natural thing. It's like breathing. No one ever taught us how to breathe, right? We come out of the womb just, just instinctually knowing how to do that, right? But here's the thing. There is a proper breathing technique, right? No one had to teach you how to breathe, but there is a technique on, on how to execute it properly. Quick, shallow breaths, right? Okay, that's, you know, in the day-to-day, we have these quick, shallow breaths. But, but, at, but after a while, your body tells you, we need a deeper breath. We need all of the oxygen in our lungs to be displaced for the health of the body. Proper breathing technique leads to better health, right? And so is true with our prayer lives. This natural thing, this desire to, uh, to, be, to, to be in contact with our maker, it's this natural thing, but there's technique to it. We're reminded to pray continually in those, those quick prayers, just like those quick breaths throughout the day, in our day-to-day, in our coming, in our going, to, to, to live with, with, with the thought of the kingdom in mind and to be in communion with the Lord is good. But it also requires us to take a step back and to wade a little deeper in the waters of prayer. And there's technique to that. And I think a lot of times, if you're sitting here today, you probably wouldn't philosophically disagree with anything that I'm saying. But it's, it's getting to a place where we acknowledge what is true and what we need to do and actually accomplishing it, right? And dedicating ourselves to it. And today my hope is to bridge that chasm, that gap for you and to, to provide you, to equip you and to remind you of, of, of things that are important when we approach God in prayer, when we approach the throne, what that looks like. First off, I want to remind you that it's a privilege to pray. That prayer is a privilege. We have privilege in prayer. Paul reminds us in Ephesians that we have access to the Father by the Holy Spirit. Prayer is this privilege that we get to come to the Father as co-laborers in the kingdom. And guess what? When Christ died, the veil was torn from the top down. Direct access to the Father, right? Amen? Amen? That, means, that means that we don't, have this, we, don't have to, we don't have to bypass and go around anything. We have direct access to the Father, and that's a privilege. But... With that, how do, we, how do we steward that privilege, right? And what does that look like? And, and, and so who God is and how we understand God and his nature has a lot to do with how we pursue him, right? Is God nasty? Is he stoic? Is he distant? 
Is he, is he a grudging God? Is he unjust or is he just? Is he patient? Is he, is, he, um, is he for me or is he against me? Right? Do I view him more as the, the dysfunctional earthly father relationship that I've experienced? Or, is, or, is, or is the, are the attributes of the father, the holy father, so much better than we could ever think or imagine? And so all throughout scripture, you can see attributes. And even in the, whole, and even in the Old Testament, like, well, the Old Testament, God's mad all the time. New Testament's all about love. That's not true. Then go back and read the Old Testament. Go back and read Psalm 103. Go back and read the interactions that David had because he truly understood. That's why he's a man after God's heart. He understood the character of the father. And he, under, and he understood why it grieved him when we didn't act the way that we should. And there are repercussions to that because he is just, but he's also loving and he's also holy and set apart. And he's also relational relational and he loves us. And he's bringing us in. That he would call us sons and daughters so we can approach him, Abba, Father, Daddy. That intimacy, that nearness. That the God who is over all things is near as well. That's why in worship, it's just, I just love the privilege it is to, to pray and worship. And I read the words of the songs we sing and then I, I pray about it. I don't just sit there idly by, I'm in ready position, ready to receive, ready to pursue. That he answered prayers back then, he's answering them now. God, what am I praying for? What am I praying into? What's the person next to me praying into? I want to do that. I want to be part of that. I don't just say, I don't know the song. I'll wait till the next one. No, put it on your lips. The words. It's powerful. We have this privilege of prayer. Jesus talks a lot about prayer. Sermon on the Mount, he talks about it a few different times. That's where we, we have the Lord's Prayer, which we'll get to at the end of today as we come to the table. Um, but he also talks about what it looks like to pursue in prayer, in this privilege that we have. Matthew 7 tells us, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find Knock and it'll be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it'll be opened. Here's the thing. God's, he's not a genie, okay? That's not, that's not what he's saying here. This is in context of the Holy Spirit and true life. And what he has to offer. That as we seek, as we, that we will find. And as we, as we ask, that it'll be given to us. Because again, right, we've postured ourselves and we've aligned our desires to his desires. And that's the heart of this. And so I want to break these down today. The asking, the seeking, the knocking. With a proper heart posture towards prayer. It begins with the right posture. Posture in prayer. Posture has its own pieces, its own elements that when we pray, there's a mental posture, a physical posture, a spiritual posture 
right? If I'm praying mentally, but my hands are distracted or I'm just doing whatever, am I, my, I'm trying to teach my kids a listening posture, all right? And so try to, I, I'm trying to instruct them and I have half of their attention. <laughs> and then they don't listen and they don't pay attention. A uh, little conviction, my wife was probably saying, I'm working on your posture of listening. <laughs> because I say things. And you're not in agree, and you're not listening because your physical posture hasn't aligned with your mental. <laughs> There's a posture in prayer. And when we ask and seek and knock, it requires us to have a posture in prayer. Question for you. How many struggle with asking for help? Okay, that's what I thought. Okay. How many of you are sitting next to someone who struggles asking for help? I figured I'd get a better response that way. The reality is that word ask, that little three-letter word, it requires something from us. Acknowledgement that we can't do it ourselves. And in the religion of America, where independence is king, we struggle with that. We're uphill in a culture that says, do it yourself, be independent, don't ask for help. Someone's out to get you, don't be vulnerable. And Jesus is saying, no, your mental posture here, humility, self-examination, before you come to me, that's what it takes to ask. takes honesty, right? Acknowledgement. We acknowledge that we are in need of help. God's like, you are in need of help. Just admit it. And so we come to him. That's our mental posture, our physical posture. Where? Where are you doing that? Talked about those quick breaths and then those slow, deep breaths, right? Quick prayers throughout the day, but that, that time of saturation. We got a good rain the other night and just saturated the ground. It wasn't just a quick hitter. That was good. It's good for the ground. Saturating yourself in a time of prayer uninterrupted is good, but it requires us, our physical posture, find a place. My kids know in the morning where to find me because I have a chair, I have a spot. We rearrange a lot. I have a spot by a window to be with the Lord. To be honest with you, this is my place. Pace around here when no one's here. Praying, that's my uninterrupted space that I go to, to meet with the Lord. Do you even have a physical place? You don't need one. But how much better is it to have one, that, that physical posture to have one? In our spiritual posture, requires us to be unhurried, unrushed, undistracted. Are you restless? Or do you, have, do you set aside time where you can just be with God for longer than five minutes? Where you can just sit and rest in who he is?
And when all three of these align, we begin to see the power in prayer. But it begins with our posture towards it. I gotta move. Persistence in prayer. This, this idea of seeking with, and keep seeking with diligence, right? Asking will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Seek with, with diligence. In January, a friend of mine embarked on this 90-day spiritual exercise for, for guys uh, based on Christ's roadmap to freedom. So what it really does is it, it's, it's intensive, 90-day intensive of, of, of prayer, of uh, asceticism, so spiritual disciplines, and then fraternity, so accountability, is essentially the three components of that. It was hard. But the reality is the acknowledgement that um, in our world today, we're, just, we're enslaved to sin and all of these other things, all these other distractions of the world that we don't realize. And, and in this strict discipline, what it does is it requires us physically, mentally, and spiritually to be focused in all on Christ. And, and, and so it requires this holy hour every day where you set aside time. For me, it was 4.30 or 5 a.m. before Gwen. Honestly, she sleeps through the night now, so it's just, I'm just making excuses. I ought to get back there. You can hold me accountable to that because that's the only time I'm not interrupted by anything, that I can have a holy hour with the Lord. But he's more important than my sleep in pursuing him. And so that holy hour really just calibrated my heart towards him and his wish, his desires. Spent a lot of time praying for you in that hour. The spiritual discipline component, they, we got rid of all the sweets, all the, it stunk. Um, all, and, and here's the thing, I didn't do 90 days 110%. The spirit of it though was alive and well within me where it was no sweets, you fasted two days a week and it was a, it was a, it was a difficult thing but it was so rewarding because it disciplined my body, it disciplined me to say no to a greater thing. And there was no media, that was the best part about it. No sports, no news, no, I still don't really now watch and no shows, no anything. And it took a little bit but it's amazing the freedom that, we found, that I found and the persistence that grew in that. And I think my heart for today is for you to find a posture of prayer and then a persistence in it, a consistency, a rhythm. What is your rhythm? What does your prayer life look like? To be a people of prayer, to be a praying people. That's the work of God. That's the secret sauce. He's not hiding it. He's telling us straight away, this is what it is. And so I just want to give you some just basic framework today. In the last few minutes, how many of you, I'm sure many of you have heard of ACTS, A-C-T-S. It's a formula, basically, that you can use. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. But what it does is it postures the heart to seek first things first and work through that order to posture our heart right. So we don't come in just with, with all of our wants with all of our selfish ambitions and desires and I want this and I want this, but no, adoration, it begins there. In adoration and worship and it's saying, it's acknowledging that, that in acknowledging God's greatness, that he is worthy. Adoration and worship, that's why we come in here, the first thing we do is worship. We sing about who he is. 
We sing about all that he's done for us. Before the supplication, before the interceding and praying for our people, which is important, we acknowledge who he is. Right? Psalms 95 reminds us, it says, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. This position of adoration, of adoring him, ascribing to the Lord because he is worthy, because he's worth it. Next is, is confession and repentance. Because when we come to him and we say, when we acknowledge who he is, we see who he is in light of who we are. And we see our shortcomings and our faults and our failures and all of the things that if, if we're adoring this holy God, we are unholy. We are impure. And so it leads to confession and to repentance. And I'm gonna be honest, we, go, we are coming to the table pretty soon. And some of you, the stronghold in your life and the breakthrough that you're waiting for, you haven't confessed and repented of something yet. And I'm not saying that as a, as a, as a rule. I'm saying before we, before we come to the table, we're called to reflect, right? To think through, to, to but guess what? First John reminds us, First John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, that he is faithful and righteous. This is a promise to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So in our adoration, in our worship to him, we acknowledge, wow, we have fallen short. And so we confess, we repent. We turn away from, that's what repentance is. It's actually meaning it in 180 degrees in the other direction. And the natural outflow of that repentance though is what? It's thanksgiving. It's saying, God, I couldn't have done this, but you did. You made a way. And that way is Jesus. And I acknowledge that. And your promise is true. That if I, if I confess that sin, that I'm made righteous, I'm seen, I'm, I'm, my sin is washed pure as snow. Right? Because of what Christ did for us, because of the blood of Christ. Thank you. Thank you for that. And thank you for all these other things that I don't deserve, but, 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 but you've lavished on me anyways. The breath of life, the, the home to live in, the securities that I, that I, that I have, the family, the, the love I have, the church family that I have. Thank you. Thank you for that. And now God, if it would please you, Supplication, petition, intercession for ourselves, for others. Lord, I'm believing in these things. I need you to help me with these things. I'm counting on you. Oh God, my God, I need you. I need you now. And so would you work in power now as you did back then? In this situation here, would you bring it to fruition and would you guide me through that? And I inter intercede for my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I pray for them as well. They're dealing with the loss of a loved one. They're dealing with brokenness in the phone, uh, in the family. God, would you, would you comfort them? Would I comfort them? Would I send an encouraging word to them? Remind us of our place that we don't come out just rubbing a lamp and asking for things. We remember who we're talking to. To be a people of prayer, 
and believing that we don't pray for a better life, but that prayer is the better life. Prayer keeps us tethered. It keeps us confident in what he says he's gonna do, his promises. So that's the formula. I don't always use it, but it gives you a starting place. And it, it gives you a posture to approach the Lord in. Because what Jesus was very intent on doing is not giving us, he taught us to pray, right? The Lord's Prayer. And the things that he prioritizes in that are true, are important. And it first begins with acknowledging that God is holy. He is other. And that we want that on earth as it is in heaven, right? And so now feed me daily. Give me what it takes to do that as co-laborers in this mission with you, Father. And in the day-to-day Supply me with what I need to withhold or withstand temptation that the world may throw at me. All the garbage that we have coming at us every day. Allow me to turn. Give me the strength in that daily bread to turn away. To turn away from that. Because yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. All of these things, I acknowledge that is you. Dr. David Busick, he's a general superintendent of ours. He says, we learn to pray best by praying. By praying, by doing it. The last piece, knock. Perseverance. When you're weary, knock and keep knocking. When you're praying into something, praying for deliverance in an area, persevere. Don't lose heart. God answers prayers in three ways. Yes, no, and wait. But at all times, in the yes, he is good. And in the seemingly no, he's still good. I reflect on my own life and the things that I prayed for and was adamant about. I see that the Father knew best. I would not be where I am today. Life would be not as rich as it is. Because see, we see the backside of the tapestry and how things are unfolding. And even in the midst of the death of an untimely loved one where it's like, God, why'd you do this? They were faithful to you. They were making Christ known. Why'd you take them? Those are hard ones. Really hard. Say, even so, goes back, worship and adoration. But still, God, you are good. You are holy. You know best. So the worship team's gonna come up. We're gonna come to the table. I apologize for going a little over our time. This has been something on my heart. Equipping the saints in prayer, in prayer. What are you praying into? What do you believe in God for? Before you come to the table, why don't you bow your head?
Father, we come before you. Lord, and I pray over this family. Lord, I pray that we'd be a family that prays together, that when we see a need, hear of a need, that we don't just say we'll pray for one another, but that we actually do right then and there. That we'd have a culture of prayer. Father, you know the hearts of your children. Lord, speak to us. We all have things we are believing in you for. Iron that out for us. Show, that what that lo- show us what that looks like. Show us where there might be threads of selfishness still in that. Purify our hearts. to only want the things of you. And Lord, when we come to the table, we reflect, we acknowledge that, that you are God and we are not. And we confess and we repent the things we've done, the things we've left undone. What you've called us to be, we turn away from. And we say thank you. And we come to the table to start anew. Lord, as we do that today, may we do that with a sense of humility, self-examination, our posture would be pure, honesty with ourselves. Lord, that we would come with persistence and perseverance, that we would not grow weary in contending for the things which you want to hear from your children over and over. You're waiting, you're a loving God. You want to hear from us. You want to commune with us. Just like my own children. I don't want to just hear from them when they want something. I exist to meet their needs and to show the love as a father to them. I just love being with them. And I pray that each one in here would experience the love of the father today as they receive the bread and drink. You do that because you love us. So we're believing in these things, confident through a heart of reflection, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand today? The night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks, right? And he broke it. He says, this is my body broken for you this extravagant act of love and generosity. Take and eat and you do this in remembrance of me, this thing that gives you life for eternity. The same way he took the cup after giving thanks to it. He says this cup represents the blood poured out the atonement, the atonement, the atoning sacrifice to bring freedom to the captives. This brings freedom to the captives. We come with a pure heart, wanting only what the Lord wants, asking, seeking, and knocking with the power of the Holy Spirit in us. 
as you're ready today, I invite you to take it at the table that you're at. Coming forward, coming over, thanking God for what he's done to make a way. As we do that, we sing of his goodness. Amen? As you come to the table. So
try to get this back here. Let's agree together as we pray today. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us for our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Be people of hope. Have a great Sunday. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 or 10.30 a.m. for weekly worship and community with other believers. For more information about upcoming events or ways you can connect, find us on Facebook or visit us at napnaz.org. Have a great week.